Hello, and welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. We are here with Peter Albrecht in southern Sweden of Vegan Trade Court. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, Vegan Trade Garden. Yes. Vegan Trade Garden. And have you helped me with my Swedish pronunciation? Thank you for being here. So, as you know, at Pacific Roots Magazine podcast, I like to give a focus on vegan agriculture. So you and I have been, you know, sort of in light dialogue for, I think, a few months now, gearing up to this talk. So it's great to finally meet. And um, yeah, I want to dive right in and hear about uh, your garden and your background. So I'm going to start with what I call the five W's in English, the who, what, when, where, why of vegan trade garden um so when when you founded the garden well we founded the garden as a as a as a, a place to visit and inspire people two two years ago but uh, i mean we've been farming on it uh, 10 years since i moved here so uh we've been transforming it into a place uh, for learning for 10 years but uh, i mean the first couple of years we to do a infrastructure and change a lot of uh, for the house we stay in and so on and um, about three years ago I ended my gardener uh, I don't know what it's called certificate so after that I, I opened up a company and uh, started this Vilansvonga Vegan Tregor and uh, Vilansvonga is uh, the area where uh, where I'm at and then we just added the Vegan Tregor so we have like three we's in our symbol so it looks really good so uh yeah three v's wait what what does it stand for again the three v's like freelance vonga vegan garden okay right and of course we'll link to that when i when i post it um so you thought but you've been um have you been doing vegan agriculture for 10 years yeah, so we've done vegan agriculture for 10 years, so I've been a vegan over 20 years. Uh, I started out uh, being a vegan, living in Malmö, really south of Sweden, uh, as a convinced animal rights activist. Uh, I did the animal rights stuff for a long, long time, uh, all the campaigns and starting up new groups and so on. And But in the end, um, I saw a problem in the movement also. I wanted to get more answers. When you're campaigning in town, you get and you have to often, you know, you have to be a professor. They hit you with a lot of questions, and uh, you have to be able to answer them. And always they came up stuff with with food and what we eat, and uh, I mean compromises you do in town uh, because you are not able to grow your own food or so on. So I thought to think think about that, and I had some inspiration trips on my trips. I, on my holidays, I've been a lot traveling in certain parts of Africa where I come upon permaculture and I wanted to merge those two, you know, animal rights, permaculture, growing. And uh, so I was looking into buying a place and uh, after a couple of years, so I did that to, to get, get answer to a lot of questions, which is in Sweden, people say you can't grow grow protein for vegan style, you know, and grow 
enough to to be self-sufficient, or Sweden can never be self-sufficient uh, in in uh, you know vegetable protein and so on. So I want to see for myself. And like ten years ago, I didn't know there was something called vegan farming or veganic farming. Uh, so I just I I thought about just not using animal manure. I thought it's like us, everybody telling vegans we have to need protein to to <laughs> to be able to live. And the, the farmers tell us, or like common knowledge tells us we need animal manure and, you know, animal body parts or and ground up animals to grow. And it just didn't make any sense because, I mean, why, they grow, why animals grow is because they eat veggies, you know. So I thought, okay, so it's the veggies that has all the nutrients. So we just put them, add them, add them up in the garden and cycle them. And that's what we've been doing for 10 years. And well, a couple of years now, I, the, the movement for veganic farming is growing. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to find my place in it. And it's really fun to see all over the world, uh, you know, vegan farmers pop up and all, all kinds of big, big farms, small farms, self-sufficient gardeners, so on. So it's really nice, really nice. Yeah, it's super, super exciting. Um, what are you growing? Well, so, I mean, I don't know what we're not growing. So over the years, we've probably grown everything. In the end, now we have a, a little, a bit less of time we're having to still a bit uh, infrastructure project so we're not like 100% self-sufficient which is also not the goal and we have small kids so we grow the, a lot of the basics so it's the carrots it's all the uh, kale or everything in the kale fa family brassicas and uh, cauliflowers and uh, potatoes and leeks and onions and corn and uh, I don't know, all turnips and salads. And so we grow, I mean, a broad variety to also show uh, on social media, you know, that there's no limitations to growing. And we're also not using really the, the normal way of farming. So we do cover cropping and we do no dig. And so not just being a vegan farm, we do, you know, unconventional methods. Um, which we're trying to show it's really good, which usually go very good hand in hand with the, with the vegan style of farming. And then we also have, I mean, we grow, we want to also have fruits and berries. So we have uh, what's called forest garden, which is uh, part of the agroforestry kind of growing food. Agroforestry is uh, when you intermix perennial plants with or freeze with uh, one-year plants and uh, agro forest gardening is you can say the most radical part of it where you build up like a like a forestry area uh, where you can eat perennials there's like different layers from ground cover herbal layer climbers small trees big trees and then you put in uh, other trees or shrubs or to do nitrogen fixing or pump up uh, minerals from the ground, like comfrey has really long tap roots, takes up uh, minerals from the subsoil and brings it up. And you can chop the leaves and mulch the trees. So we have like a forest garden with a lot of perennial uh, stuff, which is really, once you planted them, they regrow all the time. So uh, early spring in Sweden, where it's quite cold still, all those perennials, they 
they come up with a no work. So we, we don't grow spinach, per se. We have something called spinot, screpa, spinach, uh, per perennial spinach, which just comes by itself. We can we harvest a lot of it. And I mean, the, the forest garden system takes up to 20 years or even more to really grow, to make it really look like forestry or uh, so we're done for eight to ten years, but still uh, a lot, a lot of work to do that. Take making more plants to do all the cover underneath the trees or bushes, and uh, then we also have like an orchard. I live in a in an area in Sweden where you grow a lot of apples, so I live in a in a small farm which has a it's an old old orchard with maybe up to 60 really huge apple trees. Uh, uh, so we use those to make cider and, uh, you know, apple juice and fry them and everything. So we have a, you know, the whole vari variety of what you need as a vegan, you know, but we don't, what we don't have is uh, yet is like uh, uh, carbohydrates. So we don't have like, we don't grow corn or, uh, stuff like that, which he uh, uses a big, larger area of monocropping. Uh, but our tactics is going to be: we planted a lot of uh, what's it called forest um, uh, castagna, mm -hmm. castagna, chestnuts. Chestnuts. Ah, okay. Now I know the species right. Castagna chestnuts. Mm. We planted a lot of chestnuts, which people also don't think you can grow in Sweden, but it's doing really well so in a couple but it takes long until we really give a lot of nuts so in 10-15 years we're going to use uh, chestnut as our carbon hydrate source because it makes really nice flour and you can bake them or whatever and you don't need to have like a monocropping landscape for corn or whatever i didn't know you it makes a nice flour Sorry, i didn't know it makes a nice flour it makes a really nice flour so you can bake bread and use it like, uh, yeah, any any flour you want, like any other flour, you know, you can mix it up and use it. Mm, very nice. Whatever. Uh, I have to ask, uh, it's a little more of a personal question, but you have kids. What do they, I mean, they're growing up, they're growing up with this, just immersed in it. So what do they think? Do they help out? Do they think it's uh, interesting, kind of exciting, or it's just totally what they're used to also? So they basically used it. They help out. We don't ask them if they want. They come out and check us out. They help us to dig and do stuff, you know. So, yeah, I mean, but what we have is here in the community where I stay, we, a lot of families, they're not vegan farmers, but they're small-scale farmers or permaculturists. And we have work days where all, all everybody works together and they bring all their kids. So we really try to inspire, you know, our kids being with other kids growing up in the similar environment. They can see grown-ups doing work together and they, all the kids do their chores, like putting potato on the ground or whatever. Uh, but yeah, they, they join us, but they join us for uh, you know, half an hour, an hour, maybe even less. Yeah. And so when they come back at Thor's, it can't be like, uh, a demand yet on them to do it, you know. So uh, I hope they're gonna have the <laughs> same interest later on. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 
so um, down where you are, you're in Skona, southern Sweden, and now is the season really picking up now? And then it's for the next until what October, November? You're going. Yeah, so the regular season is uh, is until then, you know. But uh, the the I would say the climate here has changed that much already. So uh, I mean, we can in the greenhouse. We have a greenhouse. We can grow in November, even December. So mm -hmm. we can do if we do a late transplant of uh, green kale, say in uh, June, July. I mean that stands the whole winter and we can put stuff into a, a seed in in early august and have food that we can harvest in december january even so mm -hmm. quite mild here we the first 10 years ago when i came here it was snow in the winter but we haven't had snow for for a long time uh, so I, I i i i don't know if it's you know climate change change stuff mm -hmm. but Something is going on. It's getting warm, and we have a much longer season. So, if you're prepared and you uh, plan it really well, we can have two or three harvests in the same uh, garden bed. You know, if we I plant stuff now, I harvest it mid midsummer. I can put some uh, salads in, and then we we can put a root crop in in end of uh, August, and we can harvest it in December if we want to. You know, so we cover we can cover it. So the frost doesn't really go go into the soil, so we can easily take out uh, carrots or some other root root veggies. Right, and I love this. You mentioned that in your area you have a lot of um, small scale farmers, and you have open days where people can come and help. So is this also seasonal? Like I know a lot of farms do that also in like autumn with the sort of a harvest theme, or even around Halloween time, you know, special parties to. Um, as you grow, I know we were talking before we started recording that you're right now not really like operating like a farm necessarily, but as you think about growing in the future, do you think about that more as well, like these community days and, um, you know, maybe developing the, the Grönsöks Casa, the, the vegetable box, the CSA concept, things like that. Are you potentially looking at doing that in the future? Yeah, so we really hope doing something like that, expanding, and uh, I think the most important is, you know, to describing us like a small transition movement here out in our village or in our area and uh, inspire. So I, 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 I want to, as many, you know, normal folks or whatever you see, what normal people have with normal jobs to be inspired to grow. To grow and come and grow so we have a community garden start a community garden so everybody can come it's better for me i think that everyone grows a little bit than just two people growing everything makes mm -hmm. the system more resilient and the knowledge is spread so we try to uh, do you know it's um, called in swedish so knowledge so the knowledge that we have or meet together with other ones who has done it for a while that it can spread in the community all over you know that doesn't necessarily mean everybody has to be self-sufficient farmer or farmer but if the knowledge is there somebody can pick it up you know so what we're trying to Swedish? sorry what do you call it in swedish kunskops utjämning utjämning so the, the knowledge is here we want it to be here to be, to, to be flat you know so everyone has it not just the ones on top so that's also we have an open group, uh, transition network here, open group where we try to invite people all the time. So some have a regular, you know, they, um, <laughs> the society has to be going on. So I mean, there's a lot of jobs to be done, 
but uh, if somebody can come for for an hour or be you know be involved in some way it's really nice and we're not just doing gardening we we change tools we borrow each other stuff so we don't have to consume so much and so it's trying to transition the whole you know small small villages villages here absolutely um kind of going in line with that um I know you said, of course, in your village, there's not a lot of vegan farmers. I mean, if you look at all farmers worldwide, there's not that many vegan farmers, but we know it's growing and we know it's existed in the past too. It just wasn't called vegan farming, but now as a movement, it really is growing as a conscious uh, movement, people specifically looking to grow without animal inputs very consciously. Um, what do you, what is your, maybe we could just look first beginning in Sweden because that's where we are. What is your perception of vegan farming in we could say Scandinavia the Nordics from what you from what you maybe know or observe so uh, I mean uh, I think there's a lot of like the new new age growers here they, I mean the, they a lot of people use vegan methods you know they don't call it vegan it's just not animal stuff in them but if they come oh, if, some, if they get hold of animal manure they probably uh, take it you know so so that that's one part and that's all these uh, no dig no dig procedures or no dig market gardening which is really big now it's basically using compost and uh, i mean uh, people buy in compost and it can be uh, organic vegan organic or i mean it can be based on 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 garden on, green, on greens and garden or it can be based on animal manure so i so, so, some of them are, you know, using vegan methods, but outspokenly vegan gardeners or vegan farmers or vegan is really, really rare still. Yes, 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 yes. So I guess we know the some same places, you know, I really got to, I, when I go, went, went to garden school, I went to Lekka Castle. There's a really inspiring guy called Simon Irvin, uh, who is head, uh, head gardener for Lekka Slot. And he's doing vegan gardening, so I went there. He has really nice methods, but I mean, it's a it's a show garden, you know. So it's made to look really nice with vegetables, you know. But in a larger scale, no one really is. And I think it it is connected to we are really in Sweden uh, uh, a bit brainwashed with the brainwashed thinking that the cow is really central here in Sweden. We are one of the countries are drinking uh, most milk per person, I think. And and uh, we since we are small in school, we are being fed with images of the open landscape, the open agriculture landscape here, whereas the, 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 the free roaming cow is the central part of it. And and uh, then you when you talk to eco farmers, so I only gonna, Talk about ecological farming. That thing, I think it's not even worth mentioning. They are really so into the cow manure, or or um, and and it's really connected with like Swedish nationalism and like the the the, the perception of the landscape and what we romanticize mm-hmm. here. So yeah. it's really, I think it's hard harder to break break through here. Than, uh, than in other countries like, say, Germany, where the landscape is much more rural and uh, this uh, industrialized. So 
they don't have these romantic pictures of themselves anymore, so they can just start over somehow, you know? Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, if I get critique, I get critique from uh, organic farmers, you know? They, they're really crit critical of what we do, and they, they're the ones who, who really don't understand or don't want to understand it, you know? So I don't get the critique from from uh, conventional farmers they they get the point because they they just look at nutrients they buy the bag of nutrients and they can understand that the same nutrients are in veggies or in what we compost and put it back but then if you go to organic farmers they think there's something magically happening in the cow or in the animal who add something in the cow dung or or the chicken dung or or um, you know bone meal that adds something you know right it's, it's, it's the mystery, you know, you can't really, it's hard to discuss against it because it doesn't make any sense, you know. But, but that's part, that's part why I think it's going really slow here. And, and um, also a lot of the new growers are permaculture growers or inspired by permaculture. And still the permaculture movement globally and in Sweden is really so animal-centered and... Um, so I, I'm trying to influence them, being on social media sometimes, but uh, in the end, I think uh, just showing good, um, sh showing that it's able to do it and, and, and doing good media here and talking about it and, and uh, inviting people. And in the end, I think uh, it, it, in the long run, it will sort itself out, you know, because... Uh, if we're going to transition to 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 have to change the agriculture and change to or organic ag agriculture, we all know uh, we have to also consume a lot less meat. Say everybody's not going vegan, but if the meat consumption is going down, what the recommendations are, we also are going to have a lot of less domesticated animals. It's right. going to a lot of less bodies to ground up and do blood meal or whatever they use in their farming and cow manure. So yeah. what we're going to do have to do use instead, we're going to have to be able to use organic, you know, vegan organic methods. And then probably, as you say in Sweden, the, the, the polette is going to fall down. People's going to, you know, see, ah, we're going to don't have to use animals at all. You know, these farms mm -hmm. you grow the veggies and it's going to look fine. It's going to be no problems. And it's, it's actually easier, you know, it's, it's, yeah. that, that's the point. It's not only possible growing vegan, it's also, you know, everything is easier. So yeah. the thing is, it's just as being going vegan, you know, it's, 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 people think you sacrifice and, but it's then, then it's just easier. And so yeah. I, I laugh about it, but I, sometimes you just don't know what to do. I, I, I tell people about this and they still, just don't say, yeah, let's go, let's run with it. And just make me laugh because I think it's not, it, it's like math, you know? You, actually, you can't really say anything against it. So it's just culture. It's right. culture still, you know, holding on. And if we change this, they're going to change everything. Then it's a critique against a lot of things, you know? It's, 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 it's always, everything's going to be connected, you know, with, uh, with other social movements. It's all going to be connected and, and, so if we change agriculture, we're going to have to change everything. 
Right. I like how you say it's like math and I'm laughing with you just because, I mean, it's great to be in a good mood too, to have the knowledge and be in a good mood about it. It it will help actually transmit the information. And like you said, it's like math, uh, but I like your emphasis too on uh, maybe the cultural blocks in Sweden um, because it is like in not just Sweden, in all sorts of cultures, uh, the cultural conditioning, how we perceive, again, like maybe in America, why we eat so many turkeys and chickens, but we don't eat cats, you know, and it's disgusting. Oh, over there, they eat cats. How disgusting. It's all culturally conditioned. And culture is cultural conditioning is not like math. It doesn't always make sense at all. And it can be very hard to break math. At least if you have the skills, you can break it down. Cultural conditioning is sometimes very hard to break down. So um, yeah, so in the Nordics, I understand that. However, I will say, just from my observation, people do like their veggies here. Maybe on a societal scale, again, just like many places, you and I were talking before we started recording about these corona times and how people, yeah, the interest in growing your own is is sparking up because people are thinking about where their food is coming from. For me, for example, I mean, I love covering farms for Pacific Roots Magazine, but I, I've been like getting frustrated. I feel like I wanna work with the soil. I'm ready to start learning how to work in gardens and farms because I, I go to the grocery store and you know, we can grow carrots here, but the carrots are coming from, I don't know what farm, where I can maybe be growing quite a bit of my own. Um, and from a crisis standpoint, of course, uh, it's just resilience and preparation. As you mentioned for like your village, for example, it's better that everybody grows something that makes everybody more resilient rather than two people just growing everything, right? Um, and then from an urban standpoint, it's better that we maybe all start learning a little bit, maybe having little you know rooftop gardens rather than just the corner grocer providing so many people. That's how panic buying starts and everything. So that's just relating to this current strange chapter we're in but um back to vegan agriculture are you active in vegan networks so maybe there's not really that much going on in terms of networking in the nordics but starting to globally you know the online networks and everything i think it's gonna i mean we it's a bit bad luck with this uh corona thing uh there's been several most coming up during the summer several vegetarian or vegan like festivals where uh, like uh, at the island of Gotland here in Sweden and other ones I've been invited to and uh, doing speeches other places you know I had a big coverage in a podcast called Odlana which a lot of small farmers listened to last year and I think uh, maybe we could have break, brought breaking through more so and gotten the ones who really get inspired or, or uh, agree with what we're saying that we would have started up something this summer, but right now everybody is busy with other stuff, so it's going to be probably on hold. But it's also okay. We have to grow, you know, we don't have to rush. Uh, so we have to do really good example. It's always, it's like the same when, when, when you're the small one, you have to do it even better than the bigger one. So, I mean, I'm going to spend my time uh, making my place farm look as good as possible so when people come here they're just going to be super psyched yeah. and uh, you know just get the knowledge right and uh, you know get the figures in my head and so I can really you know inspire that way uh, but I, I've been thinking of uh, doing some official you know we do some official Swedish vegan farmer network something official 
and it probably is going to be happening maybe this summer or, or, or in autumn again, we have more time. There are people around which are interested, but maybe don't have uh, access to farm, living on a farm, but do farming. So uh, I hope I have, will have time to connect all these people and, you know, that we start up something that it looks more official, you know, and you can put up a web page and do some info and be on uh, garden, you know, garden foods. You can, yeah, you can go out and inform more officially, you know, about this alternative, like the Vegan Organic Network in Britain, you know, yeah. something similar, you know. But uh, what they have is, 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 is larger farms to show up that it really works. So sometimes you just don't have to have uh, words. You also have to show size, you know, right. people to believe you. And uh, sooner or later, I think there's uh, someone going to do it, you know, uh, in, in the right way. So I think uh, we just probably just don't know about it yet. Uh, that's so that's what and I, I haven't heard in Finland and like Norway, Denmark, I haven't heard of anyone, uh, as I know, doing vegan farming. You know, Denmark is even more uh, meaty, <laughs> what should I say, than Sweden. Mm. It's really, uh, they're really, you know, into the pig industry and it's really hard for them to make a change. You know, it's, it's tough to, to do, say that you're a vegan organic farmer doing larger scale and being accepted, you know, and it would probably be someone is going to be picked on you so on. Yeah. It's not uh, the ones who are doing it uh, or you, like the ones I, I follow in Germany, they're really young kids, you know, young people, right. uh, lived in city, uh, they, they really studied up doing gardening courses, agriculture courses, you know, coming from that way, uh, you know, being a, a group of friends or like uh, doing it together. Uh, really strong and then, then they have like the energy to pull through you know doing all the critique and and so on so and they have an organization backing them up they have this uh, bicyclic vegan or vegan organic network in Germany you know back them with facts and homepage and so so I feel I'm, I'm not alone but uh, I, I haven't there's not anyone you know since I started up coming to me saying like oh let's go let's like start this organization together. So I have full time doing just growing. So I hope uh, they will show up or I, I will we, I will connect with someone doing it, you know, but um, well, it takes, it takes energy. It <laughs> takes time and energy and everybody. Um, and then of course, all of you farmers are obviously not sitting at a computer for hours and hours per day. Uh, but I really, really love that you're thinking of starting up a network in Sweden, maybe because I don't doubt that there is somebody in Denmark doing it. Um, they may just not have a website or, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe they've just been too busy to start it up. Maybe there's an Instagram page, a few Instagram pages to local farmers and like, like the young one, like the young uh, groups um, really that have organized in Germany and are doing the farming as well, the urban agriculture you know, maybe there's that uh, interest percolating also in, in some urban Nordic urban areas among definitely the younger generations um, who, who maybe are building up their knowledge or thinking of starting as well. Thank you. You know, I've been contacted. The, the, the podcast would feature in last year, the Udlana podcast. 
they phoned me up again and uh, or asked me by email if they know if I knew some more vegan because they really got good, good response and they want to feature more vegan farmers like you do, you know. Yeah. But I just I, I gave them the names I had, but it's not not a lot and a lot of them do forest gardening, not just like regular farming. So I hope they will feature some of those people, you know. I will link to that podcast also when I do the um, when I post this. But another thing, when you start this network for Sweden or the Nordics, is that people who are interested will see it and maybe be further inspired. Because maybe right now there are people who are interested and it just feels so overwhelming. It's like, oh, there's nobody out there doing this. Why bother? But if they see, oh my gosh, there's a network. There are a few people I can email for help or call or go visit. That could really help. Uh, with the movement <laughs> yeah so idea you know just uh like posting the the basic answers to all the like critical questions uh you know answering why why, why you don't have to need animal and manure to do grow organically or, or where do you get those nutrients from and so on if you just answer that and uh be open to people visiting and so on just in simple homepage or something but, but I, I i i'm not promising this right now so just <laughs> ideas you know uh well i like the idea a lot i'd be willing to help out with it in fact because i think it's really important um and then the more that every region has a network like you talked about vegan organic network network in the u.s and i know there's a researcher who who started a veganic uh, farmer's map in the u.s yeah. and then of course on the continent you have biocyclic vegan who's operating in I mean, they're through a lot of countries, but Greece and then some chapters in France, I think maybe Germany. But so then getting a Nordic yeah. chapter of something started, um, yeah. I think is really practical and um, really important. So uh, I do want to say that um, I, I apologize in advance for the audio. My audio is not always the greatest on my podcast, but I'm so grateful for the time you spent. And I look forward to talking with you again maybe even in person um and maybe doing something creative you know actually visiting visiting your garden so that people could see also by um the video interview so i i look forward to that kind of coverage too with you and to close off i wondered if you just have simply any advice um for anybody who's i know you probably have a lot <laughs> uh but but um you always say just start start off just dig a hole yeah plant it and what do what nature does cover it so there's no bare ground in nature really prosperous ground in nature where where with really full with nutrients is always covered so just cover it with organics just put more organics on it compost put it on put it on the soil will improve and always think of the soil don't think you're going to feed the veggies Feed the soil. Feed the soil life. Look into what the soil life needs. If you take care of the soil, you don't have to take care of your veggies, you know? Just that's what we do. That's what we get critique from. Where's your nitrogen? Yada, yada, yada. We don't put add any nitrogen. We just put things that will feed the soil. And the soil opens up and provides the nitrogen uh, to the veggies in that way. And that's what's like vegan organic basically it's about you know that's why we do uh this composting method just feeding feeding soil you know and then the nutrients will deliver because they're there they're there they are in the soil there's 
not barely any soil which doesn't have all the nutrients it's just hard to get for to them to get into the vegetables you know but if you improve the soil no problem so add organics add organics i had a question how do you say feed the soil in swedish mata you mata jorden i would say okay would somebody you would say that in swedish that's yeah yeah yeah. okay Okay, this is great. I look forward. I hope we can host you again. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, and to a wonderful... Pardon? Pleasure. Pleasure, yes. Ours too, and uh, to a wonderful growing season. Yeah, let's hope so. Thank you for listening to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Visit us online at pacificrootsmagazine.com.